0: Brand Storytelling, Episode 3. It's one of those things that happens once in a blue moon, but with so much content out there now that if you're going to want to make something go viral, you need to spend not only money, but time into it.
1: Brand Storytelling is the podcast that helps brands develop their message, strategy, and customer base through quality content created by a global newsroom of professional journalists, brought to you by Newsmodo. It's hosted by Newsmodo CEO Ricard Eppeli and brand journalist Phoebe Chong-Chua. Welcome to another episode of the Brand Storytelling Podcast. I'm Phoebe Chong-Chua, a brand journalist from sunny San Diego, California.
2: G'day, Phoebe, and this is Ricard coming at you all the way from down in Melbourne. It's a beautiful day here in Melbourne, and we're absolutely delighted to have Tony Lee on the show. Tony, welcome.
0: But thanks for having me. Um, unfortunately, North Carolina it has been <laughs> snowing, so I cannot share <laughs> the same sentiment as Melbourne.
1: Oh, I hear you. Hey, we picked Tony because... Tony um, has an interesting background of being a social media consultant, and I know you've worked from, you've worked for some folks who have been best-selling authors, um, Hollywood celebrities, and you've joined an innovative advertising agency in North Carolina, like you just mentioned, um, and you've also worked as marketing and, and PR uh, at a company, a tech startup that raised six hundred and twenty-nine thousand dollars or so via crowdfunding. So um, we're excited to hear how you were able able to help get the message out and also share with our audience about the changing face of public relations, mainly because brands are are really becoming their own um, you know, news media agency and they're able to tell their story in a way that they weren't able to do even just a few years ago.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it goes without saying how much social media has changed the landscape of marketing in general. But I mean, um, public relations also has um, changed dramatically and the term and the concept of integrated marketing communications, which 10 years ago, um, I guess almost sounded like a really cool idea, but now it's almost a given. It's uh, it's making marketers um, having to be more well-rounded and making sure that they put effort in all facets of the uh, marketing wheel, so to speak.
2: So tell us a bit about your role and how, I guess, what your touch points with this um, whole industry have been and how that's shifted over the journey towards brand storytelling.
0: Sure. So um, when I first got um, into the business, I was basically purely social media. Um, I guess a little bit backtrack, I was a journalist who um, eventually kind of picked up on the Twitter trend when it first started, mm-hmm. and then it kind of really led me into go from there into social media Um but from, from being a social media expert, one thing I quickly figured out was that it was just one part of something. Um, an example that I always use is social media is, um, is, the, uh, is the fuel, not the match. So when people talk about wanting to go make something viral, it's really hard to make something viral just on social media if it exists in this uh, cloud, per se. If you have something that's tangible, that's something actionable in real life, then that's when social media can really make something go viral. So even within the last five years or so, a lot of people have started to realize when they invest money in social media, they also have to invest equal amount of time and or money into other things like advertising. And that goes even from like leaflets to, um, to like um, out of homes and to uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, POSs. So all those things, um, it's put in a lot more pressure to be integrated and that also helps around the marketer's end because it's easier to track and it's easier to start campaigns. campaign. Um, hashtag <laughs> used to be kind of an old-fashioned thing um, of kind of being campaigns, but now it's way more and beyond that.
2: How much are you seeing an importance being placed on the value of long-form content um, to provide insight and information to an audience?
0: Sure, I think there can be debates on people with kind of shorter attention spans and um, the value of long form. But I still think in the, in the end, what people want is content and it's content, not only that they can read and digest, but also something they enjoy. So it really depends on the goal and the objective and the audience. But I think there's equal amount of value for um, long form and short form or Um, just even like one random billboard with one word, there's so, so much possibility. And I think it all depends on kind of the overall objective.
1: Tony, tell us a little bit about the styles of, um, content that you're creating so that our audience can get an idea because sometimes when companies first start out with this, they really don't know what to expect. And questions like that, like, should it be long? Should it be short? Should it be a video or an audio? Um, tell us about what you've created with some of the most successful campaigns.
0: Yeah, so um, I guess the most successful campaign um, that I've done that's really, I guess, uh, uh, was sort of scalable in a way is um, when I was at a – I I created a newspaper called The Intrepid when I was in college, and it was a social media-based newspaper. Um, There was a a musical artist coming into town, and nobody could get an interview. What I did was actually make a call on Twitter with everyone saying, like, hey – so this guy's coming into town. I would love to interview him. I just need everybody to tweet this so that we can get an interview. So I ended up having over 70 people tweet at the artist saying, "Hey, we want to do an interview." And luckily, I got I got the interview. The manager called me directly and like, "Hey, we really want to do this interview." Normally, that would be kind of the end step. But what I did in front of that was to the people that um, interacted with us. I said, "Hey, why don't you have? To, thanks for getting me this interview. Why don't you guys?" Um, Send me questions you want to ask. So it was a completely a twofold way. They helped me get it and then they got to contribute. From there, um, for the newspaper, we used to get about a thousand hits on day with the content. The next day we got about twenty-five thousand views to that website. The next day it was thirty-five thousand. Wow. And then ever since then, the um the newspaper was getting four thousand hits a day because I really um influenced the audience directly saying like, hey, it's a two-way street. I help you. You help me. They got their name in the newspaper. They got an exclusive story. So in that investment, really, if you think about it, was just time and just a little bit of creativity. And it really started off from someone saying, could you please tweet this? So, and that's an example that's a little bit like five years. So you can still do the same thing, but the concept is there. The strategy and idea is there. It really depends on what you want to do and how you want to make a big impact.
2: How do you think that could be relatable to a brand that's publishing? I guess it's all about audience building and engagement. What could they do to potentially engage their audience more through content that they're publishing?
0: Yeah, so one of the biggest misconceptions of kind of wanting to do something big or make a biggest impact is we have to go try something new and really get a new audience, reinvigorate it. But really, the core core of your audience and the one that's most likely to listen to you is your current audience. in any um, customer lifetime value model it always kind of hints at how much you you want to keep investing in the people that you um, acquired as well. And I think what a lot of people fail to realize is if you really hit a home run with something that's innovating the audience and you know your audience better than um, even they know themselves because you got them in the first place you can you can play something around there there's research, that you should probably invest in with your own audience and don't do something boring as a survey, be a little creative, use, use Twitter and talking about the social media um, conversations. And if you can't have access to big data, social media, at least just go on to Twitter and search and talk about what people are talking in your area or the topics and get a better idea and be like, you know what, maybe we can do this something for their audience because that's what they want. It's something very simple like that. But Mm, I mm. think a lot of brands have to start within rather than kind of Outside.
2: This is really timely advice because at the moment at Newsmoto, we're uh, bringing on what we're describing as a journalist advocate, somebody that can engage with our featured journalists and most um, active journalists across our network who contribute to the various projects that we create. And, um, and one of the ways that we want to be able to support those journalists that engage with us most frequently is to. Um, connect with them on social media and be able to share some of the material that they're publishing or talk about the material that they're publishing. Can you give us as a company at Newsmodo some of your advice on how we could best support our journalists?
0: Sure. So one thing when I started the Intrepid, one thing, the reason why I think it caught on steam was I, as an editor-in-chief, put more focus into promoting the journalist and the content itself. One thing that I realized in the new shift in social media is people um, saw the content as just words, but they only really want to connect with the person. So I spent an equal amount of time getting their um, faces on social media, um, putting their um, footprint on there, helping them promote their brand more than the Intrepid's. And in the end, what happened was the Intrepid's brand just went so much bigger because of it. So I think in the new age, what a lot of um, big newspapers, especially have failed to do was they thought the answer was content, unique content, content delivered in different platforms and unique ways and responsive websites, et cetera. What they actually should have done was try to make each of their journalists a rock star. And in the business model, how that also worked is that once they become a rock star and you help that promote them, it's actually going to make them less likely to leave because of mm. kind of like the clout that you brought with them. So. Again, I always think that people try to think outside the box a little too much. You really have to figure out within inside of your organization and or um, the available um, customer base and work from there and think how you can grow that before.
1: Tony, that's a really good point about making them a rock star. I call that the star quality. And Mm -hmm. it's important for everyone to have a platform i mean i i do lots and lots of interviews with with thought leaders across the globe and If they don't have a platform, they can't interact and get that following in that community. Today, that is so important. And you're right. If you just have content there and it's written up, and even if it's good content, a lot of times there's not that engagement with the content because there isn't someone that they're connecting to. So we still like that, um, even in this, this social digital world.
0: Yeah, so I guess my biggest top tip and I've kind of been um, talking about it, is kind of start within first and within is everything from the organization to um, your customer base before trying to think about how to expand your brand, how to expand the audience. I think um, some of the examples um, that we kind of talked about and the strategy, um that's the biggest one. And I think also um, another thing that people forget is that marketing isn't linear. You almost feel we, as marketers really try to make it as linear and as um, ROI-driven, so you spend X, you get X kind of stuff. But, you know, sometimes, um, like, for example, the campaign we did with Sophie, we took six, actually, probably a year and a half to plan, really, from, like, the pitch to getting the client to kind of honing it. It was kind of like a one-day launch for the social activation and then a little bit other parts. But we're not going to see return on that because, um, I guess, one of the things I can share with that is, you get them on social and you get them to a site and then we use retargeting with banner ads to kind of get them in constantly in their um, top of mind. And then hopefully that leads to a conversion. So that's a long cycle, but you're not going to see a return on that immediately as well. So, um, you have to realize that you just, you just don't put an X and you get Y immediately. You have to plan for it and kind of understand. Um, so that's another tip. And then the, the last three, I guess, um, most people try to spread themselves too thin because of this whole integrated marketing idea. Define your goals and then refine it and then refine it and then refine it. Making sure that you try to get it as single track as possible and be able to drive it to the exact thing that you want. Granted, there's some risks because if it fails, then you might have spent too much money on that. But I think if you do it with smart, with research and kind of the, in that in that span, I think it works. Finally, the last two, put consumers first in your goals. A lot of people kind of assume that, oh, I love this idea or I love this strategy or this needs to happen. And they forget we're marketing to human beings. And it doesn't matter if it's B2C or B2B. You have to realize as a human, like, would I like seeing that myself? Or would my sister like seeing that? Would my dad like seeing that? Put that in that kind of context first. Um, And then finally, really, you can't make something go viral if you're not going to spend money on it. It's one of those things that happens once in a blue moon, but with so much content out there now that if you're going to want to spend or make something go viral, you need to spend not only money, but time into it. So I guess those are kind of like my big tips, um, especially on kind of um, how to get the brand to the next step.
2: Fantastic. They're all great tips. Thanks for that.
1: Hey, Tony, I have a question oh. ab- about the last sure. one, the the time and the money. I find that brands have the hardest time with that, understanding sure. that, you know, like you said, you spent on the Sophie campaign and, and um, you might want to share a little bit more about that. But you said a year and a half, right?
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: that's a long time.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was started from the research and the concept um, and then we just kind of refined it, and making sure that it's integrated across, and making sure that it's within budget, and what's the realistic return, and the whole nine yards. And you you really have to um, think about it. Like for example, Sophie, um, we want to not only grow the audience um, in in kind of a linear form, from kind of doing like the regular thing. So hopefully getting that boost because of all the other events were happening, and. It really takes a long time to build an audience. I think the best example that I can use is Gary Vaynerchuk, yes. who wrote the book, um, Jab, Jab. Um, oh, my goodness. How am I going to mess this up? Jab, Jab, <laughs> jab, 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 Right, right
1: Hook. Right hook <laughs> yes, that's it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and you really have to jab a lot. And the content that you're providing, is not just content. And I think that's where a lot of people are making mistakes. It's the listening. It's going after conversation. For Sophie, it's a lot about people talking about short Get in those conversations. Talk about fashion and athletic work. Get in those conversations. It's kind it's got to build. You just can't build Rome in a day. Um, so because Sophie it, is it a, a
1: clothing a clothing line, right? And what what was the yeah. campaign? Can you just in a short synopsis tell us what you did?
0: Sure. The campaign um, tagline is "The strength is in us." What we found out in the, um, especially in women athletics is that um, it's not one person based. Actually, women actually like working out together. And they want to work as teamwork. It's not the I. It's not um, like Nike, where it's like, just do it. And it's the individual. Um, it's more about the team base. So we focused on how to get women together. And the tagline covers that, but it's way more than that. We're trying to figure out, as you see, if you go on our Instagram, the contest, where you um, tag a friend that you want to share a product with. So this season, starting from that, our manifesto that um, ended up being on um on Instagram, it was talking about the we, the collective, and how we're better, stronger together. So we're starting from that and then kind of just keep building on it. And, you know, when it comes down to it, people are going to start realizing Sophie's not just an old shorts brand that they fell in love with, but it actually stands for something that they love, something that um, 18 to 24-year-olds are going to really resonate with. So um, took took research, developed social content, developed other PR ideas, and kind of made it into a whole thing.
1: Yeah, it it really, well, the thing about it is that it's conveyed what uh, women wanted to be part of. And I think using Instagram for anybody listening, that's important because a lot of times brands will ask, well, Instagram, isn't that just for photographers or isn't that just for, you know, my teenagers? Um, it's mm, not. Sure. It, it really is relevant to a brand, but you have to know how to use it. And so I wanted you to talk about Sophie because I saw what you were doing with that and how you were you were linking it and having the hashtag and having it be something that, you know, sort of tugged at the emotional side of um, you know, women and, and working out uh, and, and making it really cool in, in the videos that you created. And you posted some of the videos onto Instagram as well, right?
0: Yeah. Um, so the biggest um, creative that we're really proud of is our copywriter wrote a really interesting manifesto that really talks to the entire plant, um, voice of Sophie. And each of those, mani- the manifesto is broken down into 24 squares. So we're, we're, ah, we released one word at a time in 15-minute intervals on the campaign launch and then accompanied that with statistics that we found that we when we did on our research, like um, 91% of women um, enjoy, uh, prefer to work out together rather than alone. And we released really a little bit of nuggets into the um, thing about campaign. And it, it forced people to go on our um, profile afterwards to read the entire manifesto and be like, wow. This is really cool. And you put that within context with the stats. Again, this is, we just took basically a 24 word manifesto, um, which we could have easily made an infographic and just put it online, and that could have been it. But we broke it down and did something creative on Instagram. Not only that, we took each post and put meaning behind each word and each square. And then we did that from the beginning of the camp, or from 8 o'clock in the morning to 2 p.m. So after school, our target demographic could have just looked at it and be like, wow. I really like this um, new vision of Sophie, and I'm good with it.
2: That's a fantastic uh, opportunity as well for, as you said, people who want to learn more about, I guess, the industry in in itself, to actually see that a brand like Sophie is um, diving deeper than just, I guess, the glitz and glamour and the the sleek-looking marketing shots that could have been pushed out there, that you've actually gone about the research and and provided data that provides that audience with those insights. I think that's really critical from any brand storytelling perspective to really get into the topic by doing a, a huge amount of relevant research. Is that why it took you 16 months or whatever it was to really get confident that you knew where you were heading with this project?
0: Yeah, I mean, the first amount of research came a lot from the um, social media data mining and the variable uses a proprietary algorithm that um, can find all the, um, the, the uh, graph theory and data clusters to kind of get that. Then we took yeah. that step further by doing, um, you know, research um, the traditional way using um, focus groups and um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, the big research
2: database database. Um, like surveys and, and white it, papers and things?
0: Yeah. And then, and then we kind of um, did our internal smaller focus group testing locally and be like, okay, this creative work. And then we, brought, um, we decided to um, pay for a national survey, and it only confirmed our reason. So we knew from the beginning, looking at the social data, that this was it. But we knew that consumers would want to know more. And if anything, using more of these facts, you're just going to prove the point of the brand. So we made sure to invest um, not only just time, but money to make sure this campaign is covered from every end. And um, from a PR angle, when you are armed with infographics, data um, from polls, it's easier for media to be like, yeah, I can write about this. You're making their job a lot easier as well. So, we really made it into an integrated 360 campaign.
1: Absolutely true. The more you can provide the information to traditional media, super important. I mean, obviously, today brands can tell their own story, but it's well worth it to also try to engage traditional media and uh, capitalize on that level of exposure as well tony thank you so much for being on brand storytelling you've you've offered a lot of great information thanks so much
0: not a problem it was an honor to be here and it's really funny that i connected you with you on twitter just (laughs) yesterday and now i'm on your podcast that's how it goes that's how we
2: roll tony and just uh on twitter how can people find you if they want to connect with you online and ask you further questions after the podcast
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, My Twitter and pretty much all my social media handles is um, Shecky, which is S H E D K I
2: I. Again, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Heaps of insights and top tips there. So um, we'll definitely be keeping track of your future projects. Thanks again, Tony. No problem. It was honored to be here.
1: Thanks for listening to the Brand Storytelling Podcast. Please visit newsmoto.com to view the show notes for each episode. If you like the podcast, we'd appreciate it if you'd leave us a rating and review in iTunes. It helps others find our show. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you here next week.